This is Health Call Live. We're glad you're listening, but don't be afraid to call and ask your question on the air. It's free, non-invasive, and best of all, you don't have to wear an exam gown. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent Lee Kelso. All right, man, this Omicron variant of the COVID virus has a lot of people really confused and, of course, quite concerned. And there is good reason to be probably not on an individual level. There is now a lot of evidence that this virus is an individual threat to each one of us is not as great as was Delta, but on a society level, it could have a bigger impact. And that's what we're going to take a look at today. So let's get started, which kind of kind of level set where we're at today. (laughs) Odd as it seems, but right now in the state of Indiana, there are as many people in the hospital from COVID, the Delta variety, as there were one year ago. We're right back to where we were at exactly this time last year. 3,058 Hoosiers currently hospitalized with COVID in the Delta variety of COVID. So, uh, yeah, you can see why there's concern about what might be coming. If we get a big wave, hospitals are already crowded. What then? No reports of Omicron in Indiana yet, but you know it's here. It has to be. And the problem is we just don't sequence these viruses. When you get tested, it's a positive-negative kind of result, and only a small percentage of those are actually sent through for what's called genomic sequencing to identify exactly what variant it is. So that's why it's probably all already here and we just don't know it yet. So I am watching what happens in England very closely because typically what's happened there happens here about a month later. And the population, excuse me, the population in the United Kingdom kind of similar to us, not in size, but in terms of how many people have been vaccinated, our age and general health. So it's a a good guinea pig example for what could be coming our way. So the case rate in England is doubling every 2.4 days. So imagine you've got 100,000 cases, two and a half days later, 200. And then the numbers just keep doubling from there. So hospitals over there are discharging as patients all that they can to make room for what they think is a wave of Omicron patients who are coming on. Here in the United States, as there, the primary concern remains swamping the healthcare system. The UK uses something called the Zoe system. It's an app that tracks your symptoms. It's on your smartphone. You report every day what's going on with you. And they have millions of people using it. It's been a very valuable tool in tracking the disease. Professor Tim Spector leads that project, and he told the British version of the Today Show that Omicron is difficult to spot because the symptoms are so much different from Delta. And uh, what we're seeing now is that the predominant symptoms are all cold-like symptoms. So the majority of people, over 50% of people, never have classic symptoms. And so they are getting uh, headaches, um, sore throat, fatigue, uh, sneezing, runny nose. Um, and uh, the, 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 uh, the traditional symptoms, so that loss of smell and taste, fever and cough, don't even feature in that top five anymore. So um, people need to be on the lookout that this is, for people who are vaccinated or have had a booster, they're getting mild disease, and it's going to look, in most cases, exactly like a cold. Yeah. And our data suggests that colds are also out there. And uh, yeah. the risk is about one in four, one in five of, of any cold symptom being COVID. And I think that's, worry, then. that's really what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. 
So there is great concern that the actual number of COVID cases over there, the Omicron case, is far higher than reported because, hey, I didn't know I had COVID. I just thought I had a cold, right? Also on that same chat show, that's what they call them in England, a chat show, was Dr. David Strain, who says just because the virus caused mild disease in South Africa, there's no guarantee that's going to continue in the U.S. or in England. As Professor Spector says, there are just so many unknowns about Omicron. We're hearing reports that it may not be as a severe a disease, um, but they're coming out of South Africa, which is a very different population from we have here in the UK. The population's younger. Um, only a quarter of the population there are vaccinated, but many have been exposed to both Delta and also the Beta variant, which has got a lot more in common with Omicron. Therefore, it's difficult for us to say what the natural history of this is going to be. And so these mass gatherings where um, people are getting together and potentially spreading it with an unknown consequences in two to three weeks, which, as you rightly said earlier, is when we're going to see the impact of these cases. Um, it is sensible to keep things under wraps until we know what the impact is going to be. And that is why so many things are already starting to pull back and shut down in the United States. The impact of Omicron is going to be probably more on a society level. So what governments decide to do about this wave of the virus is probably going to have more impact on you than the virus itself, because so far we're still seeing that even those Dr. Specter says, uh, Dr. Stain says that it's it's there's no guarantee it's going to stay mild. There's every indication so far that it may well do just exactly that. If we take a look at the death rate in South Africa, it has been four weeks since Omicron was identified there, and the death rate has not spiked to keep pace with the hospital. Hospitalization. So if nothing else, at least in South Africa, there's still evidence that this is not going to be a lethal form of the virus. But again, too soon to say. This virus is spreading so quickly, the tidal wave effect is really the worry. So, you know, imagine it this way. You get a year's worth of rain in one day. Well, what happens? You know, the rivers overflow, sewers back up, you water in the streets, everything's a mess. And that's really the fear with Overcron. If everyone is positive all at once because this big wave comes through and we all go into a 10-day isolation when you're sick, or at least you're supposed to, to keep it from spreading, what's going to happen? Well, in South Africa, 20% of the healthcare workers were infected and had to stay home. 20% fewer healthcare workers just when you need the most because there's a giant wave of virus coming through, you get the idea. We could be in a real mess if you have a heart attack, a stroke, or a traffic accident, anything else that would send you for urgent care. Hospitals are going to be jammed. That is the big fear with Omicron, not necessarily what's going to happen to you individually. Now, with all of that in mind, let's check in with uh, the Mayo Clinic's Dr. Gregory Poland. He is an expert on viruses, vaccines, and virology. So this is a real, I, I guess, warning for all of us. If we do not take the proper precautions over the holiday, we are going to see in January a major Omicron surge. Now, there's good and bad about that. The good seems to be that the severity of those infections, this is very early and it could change, does not seem to be as high as what we saw with Delta. Having said that, we've already seen a couple of deaths in the UK from Omicron. 
Um, I know one thing that people have been depending on and falsely so with Omicron is that they've gotten two previous doses or they were previously infected. And here, again, while very early, the data are somewhat discouraging. Uh, in fact, the newest reports are that two doses of vaccine may offer very little protection against symptomatic Omicron infection. The same is true with previous infection. I know a lot of people who have been previously infected who falsely think I'm protected now and don't have to worry about. That's not what the data shows. In fact, uh, in the UK, the reinfection risk with Omicron was three to eight fold. So the way I have thought about this is we face two threats right now in the U.S. Delta, which is 99% of infections, and Omicron, which is rapidly and likely going to outpace Delta. But both of those threats have really one solution, and that solution is what we have consistently talked about. We have hit this nail on the head in, in the advice we have given in this podcast, and that is masking and boosting. Those are key to protecting yourself and your family as best anyone can be protected against this new major variant. And that is Dr. Gregory Pullen from the Mayo Clinic. So lots of confusion going on here about this. There was a study this morning that I thought was very encouraging. These doctors took a look at what happens in your immune system if you are fully vaccinated and then have a breakthrough infection, which seems like it's going to happen here with Omicron. It seems like many of us who are vaxxed or previously infected are going to come around for another wave of Omicron. But the good news on all of that is there's some evidence that once you have a breakthrough Omicron infection, you now have super immunity, that your, your immune system is going to be so well trained to recognize these SARS viruses that if any other mutations come along, you're likely to have stronger immunity to all of them. So at least a little bit of good news here. So what can you do to help prevent yourself from being infected? Is there anything you can do to tune up your immune system? Ah, yes, there is. And we get into that next on the Health Collide Radio Hour here on WoWo. Welcome back to Health Call Live, where health information is free and the stethoscope is never cold. We're here to answer your questions at 447-1190. Now, back to health and wellness correspondent, Lee Kelso. So we are focusing this half hour a little bit on Omicron. And, uh, man, you know, all that stuff is coming at us pretty fast. What other than vaccination can you do to try and help prevent infection? So if you're vaccinated, you have antibodies in your blood that are uh, supposed to be able to fight off infection and prevent infection. That's kind of one of the advantages of the vaccine. We're finding that Omicron is able to blow right through those. So it's really uh, down to your T cell response and the rest of your immune system to be able to fight this thing off. So what can you do about that? Well, Dr. Roger Schwelt holds four different board certifications. He is the creator of the MedCram Medical Education Channel, a great way to learn about all kinds of things around healthcare. And when the Delta wave was ramping up, Dr. Schwelt published some advice about helping optimize your immune system to fight off the SARS viruses. And what worked for Delta 
also applies to Omicron, so it's worth to go back and take a listen to that. We know that vitamins play an important role in supporting our immune system generally. Vitamin C has a reputation for helping fight the common cold. It also plays a role in helping your body heal from wounds. But Dr. Schweltz says that's important, and up to 90 milligrams a day is baseline for adults when it comes to vitamin C. But uh, unlike that, what do you do about vitamin D? Vitamin D, on the other hand, is a different story. Initially, when I made the video, I was taking 2,500 international units, and I wanted my levels to be higher after I got them checked. I'm actually taking 5,000 international units a day. The Endocrinological Society is saying that the upper limits that you can take without a physician supervision is 4,000 international units a day. So if you've been supplementing with vitamin D all along and you come down with COVID, continue to supplement with vitamin D. And there is some evidence, but you probably wouldn't want to check with your primary care or healthcare provider first. There is some evidence out of India in the SHADE study where they gave 50,000 units orally, daily for seven days, and then ramped it back down to a regular dose of, of approximately four to 5,000 units, international units. So there is some data there um, in that study at the endpoint, there was an increased clearance of the virus. There was decreased inflammatory markers. But remember, not everybody can take 50,000 units or even supplemental vitamin D. As we've talked about before, there are some conditions like sarcoid, which uh, that would not be the optimum thing to do. The other uh, element that's very uh, helpful and beneficial if you're taking vitamin D is magnesium as well. And uh, there are some studies that look into that as well as dosing. And I think it, it bears repeating again that none of these are recommendations uh, for people to, to go out and do on their own, but always to discuss with their medical professionals first, correct? Absolutely. And, and the other thing I would add, too, is none of this is 100 percent protective or curative. So you still have to do all of the other things that uh, the CDC is saying, like mask wearing, distancing, all of that. This is, again, is a way of, of tipping the scales in favor of you in terms of your immune system. One of the other things that I mentioned back in MedCram 59 a number of months ago was that I took quercetin. And while there is some data in Ebola and other viruses that quercetin may be beneficial, we were waiting for studies to come out on quercetin in SARS-CoV-2. There's a good review of quercetin in Natural Product Communications put out by Sage Publications that was published this month in December. And it basically goes over the prior data in other viral infections and also in vitro studies that seem to indicate that quercetin might be beneficial. But again, we have no randomized placebo-controlled trial data. It seems as though the risks of quercetin supplementation is pretty low, which makes the benefit-to-risk ratio fairly high if one wants to consider supplementation with quercetin. If we look at NAC or N-acetylcysteine, in MedCram Update 59, we talked about how it was used in a randomized placebo-controlled trial to ameliorate the symptoms of the flu virus, not COVID-19, but the flu virus. And because of this and also the antioxidant properties of N-acetylcysteine and the oxidative stress theory that we see in ACE2 inhibition that we see in COVID-19, it was felt again that the benefits of taking supplemental NAC outweighed the risks, especially over a winter season. 
but consider scaling back or stopping them once this pandemic has subsided. You know, the N-acetylcysteine was tested with influenza during a winter season. So I don't think we should be on N-acetylcysteine for the rest of our lives. I, I do think that supplementation with vitamin D is going to be beneficial during a winter season, especially if you live above the 35th parallel. And all of us here in northern Indiana certainly do live above the 35th parallel. And so that's why vitamin D uh, is on the table, recommended by several uh, people in healthcare as a good first step to get your immune system ready. Just as a matter of reference, I'm taking 4,000 units a day, and that is just enough to keep my blood level at 50. So everybody's body is different. You know, what's going to work for you? Uh, but 4,000 a day seems to be working for me. So that is what the recommendation is from Dr. Schwelt on vitamin D. Sleep. Sleep is another crucial factor to keep your immune system in shape, specifically deep sleep. The deep sleep phase is when your body is doing lots of important repair work. It's during this deep sleep phase that your brain is bathed in spinal fluid, and that is when you produce the most human growth hormone, which is vital to help slow the aging process, but also important in immune performance. And that is why Dr. Schwelt also says melatonin might just be a good idea. One of the things that would help in terms of sleep and also in terms of an antioxidant is melatonin. Now, some people might notice that melatonin works really well for them. Other people, not so much so. But taking a supplement, maybe three to five milligrams about an hour before bedtime of melatonin would be beneficial in some people in terms of antioxidants, but also in, in terms of helping you get to sleep and falling asleep so that you can get the, the seven hours of sleep that you need. And then finally, zinc, which has been talked about quite a bit, still recommending it, but not greater than 40 milligrams of elemental zinc per day. And because zinc can be complex with many different ionic compounds, such as picolinate, such as sulfate, you've got to look up the actual elemental zinc in each compound and make sure that you shouldn't be taking more than 40 milligrams a day. So with the exception of vitamin D, Everything else should be about the same, whether you're trying to prevent COVID-19 infection or whether or not you have it. So that is Dr. Roger Schwell. Once again, he is the publisher of the excellent information you will find on the MedCram site and on the YouTube channel for MedCram. Really great information there. He gets uh, down into the weeds and really explains to you why things work, not just that they work. And I think that's important. You know, really interesting for all of us to look ahead and, and see this whole Omicron wave coming through and what it could mean. Again, the big, the big fear is that we're all going to get sick all at once. Hopefully it's going to be mild, but if that impact is, you know, it moves into the community. So, for example, there are roughly um, 350,000 people here in northeast Indiana. About half of us are vaccinated. Let's say that Omicron sweeps through and just half of us have it all at once. Well, if 1% of those people go to the hospital, that's an additional 1,500 beds that are going to be needed. Now, the hospitals have ramped up and have more beds available after the COVID experience from round one. And round two, we just don't know what's going to be necessary. So, you know, 
just want to keep everybody on top of the fact that uh, it may not affect you individually in a severe way. Severe disease doesn't seem to be likely, but it could affect the community pretty broadly. And anything we can do to protect ourselves and avoid the spread, I think that's what we need to be doing. All right, next week we have Christmas programming in this hour, and then the week after that, of course, New Year's Day. I will be back again on January 8th with pharmacist Greg Russell. We'll take a deep dive into kind of what you already heard here, but a little more detail on how to tune up your immune system and keep yourself ready for battle all the way through the winter cold and flu season. Have a great holiday. We will see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for joining us here on Health Call Live. You've been listening to Health Call Live. Watch a recording of today's program on the Health Call Facebook page or on the web at www.healthcall.live. Drop us a line to recommend a guest or suggest a topic for a future broadcast. Join us next Saturday at 9 a.m. for another edition of Health Call Live on WoWo 1190 a.m. and 107.5 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.